Hey, I want you to imagine that your phone rings and it says that it's coming from your son's cell phone. But there's a strange voice on the other end that asks, are you Caleb's father? Because there's been an accident and you need to get to the hospital right away. You can probably grasp all of the uncertainty and how your mind will race when that phone call comes in. But the Freeman family has gone through tragedy after tragedy before this moment. And when they're on their way to the hospital, both Emily and Jeremy Freeman are thinking, here we go again. I'm about to lose another child. I want you to lean in and listen to this family, how they went through tragedy after tragedy and kept it all together. And I'm convinced this episode will give you the tools to face whatever is going on in your life right now too. Can't wait to introduce you to the Freeman family on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Hey, Freeman family, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Unbeatable. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you guys are coming to me from Oklahoma, nice and warm in the brutal <laughs> heat of the summer in the United States. Uh, how are things over in Oklahoma right now? It's ridiculous. Let's just say that. Not only is it hot, but it's windy, so it's like the worst possible combo. It's a hot wind. It's a yeah. hot wind. So basically, you've got a blow dryer, a hair dryer blowing on you every day, all day long, is what you're telling me. Yep. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, you got part of the family, but not the whole family there. Uh, let's talk about how you two met. Emily, when did you and Jeremy, uh, when did Jeremy sweep you off your feet? Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, we were in college together at Oklahoma Baptist University, and that's in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And I actually heard about Jeremy before I met him. Uh oh, did you um, hear good stuff about him? Or was it watch well, out for was, that guy? He's trouble. <laughs> kind of mixed reviews. No. All right. I was a bit of a freak. Let's just say no. that. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, Jeremy had used to have a cross shaved in the back of his head. Um, so in his people, hair, he had a cross yes, shaved. In, in, in all right. Hair. Yes. You're right. He was a freak. Yep. Yeah, yes. there you go. That's right. See, I can admit it. Yeah. So the girls in my dorm were like, have you met that guy with the cross shaved? And, and I was like, no, um, sounds interesting. Um, anyway, we got put on this uh, committee together. That's like for welcoming um, incoming students. Freshman and, orientation. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were both on that. So then that's how I met him. And we just uh, started talking um, just kind of hanging out, um, here and there mm -hmm. when we would go on, we would go on trips for this committee to other schools. And, um, so we had a lot of time like in the car. And so just kind of through that. And then he, um, started knocking on my downstairs dorm window Come on. quite a bit. Um, <laughs> persistence, <laughs> persistence pays That's off. That's right. Too. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah. And from there, I, I think we dated what, like a year and a year half, and a half. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you know, you know, Caleb, right. when you know, you know, that's right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I helped clean him up a little, True. you know, I, you said I, the, ha the cross has got to go. The haircut's yes. got to go. That's yes. what you said. That is, yes. <laughs> like, I love you. I love Jesus, but that haircut's got to go. You need to figure gotta go. Out, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, when did he tell us how he popped the question? This is all, uh, Put, let's just put Jeremy on the spot and totally embarrass okay. him during this episode. Okay. So well, how did he pop is, the question? 
Yeah, this huh. is kind of funny too. Jeremy's really bad at keeping secrets. It's just a problem for him. Like he he's just he's a talker. Um so he he likes to he doesn't he's just not good at um you know uh, like surprising some it's hard for me to yeah. sit here right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he was planning to propose to me in October. I remember um I don't remember what year that was. Um but he handed me um, a resume that he had put together because he was applying for a position at a church, like a part-time ministry <laughs> position. Yeah. So he was like, you know, read through this, edit this for me. I was an English major. So, um, you so fixed I was all of his mistakes is what you were saying yes. all the way through school. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally um, get it. <laughs> so I'm reading through this line by line and I get to this, um, part and it says engaged as of October. And it was like, two days from when I was reading it. <laughs> yep. Oh, did you do that on purpose, man? What's that no, super smooth? Not. Or you I, I, forgot I I to would've. take that out of there before you asked her to edit it? Oh, no, wow, you really it. are bad at keeping secrets. The young, dumb college student. That's So I was like, what is this? And he was like, oh, oh I can only, I, I can just picture in my mind what his yeah. face looked like when you pointed that sentence on his resume out to him. Yeah. And then I'm like, you're assuming a lot here. Like, obviously, <laughs> you think I'm going to say yes. <laughs> so um, it's true. So then the, that night, which is like a night or two later, um, obviously, I know what's coming. So he says, I still want you to meet me in front of the chapel at the uh, school university. And so I still have a bunch of surprises. So he like blindfolded me and took me, you know, to different locations that were special to us. So where do we end up on campus? Then he drove all around and tried to confuse me as to, you know, where we were. And we ended up at my house, which is about 30 minutes from from the school. And, yeah. um, and so my family was there and he kind of had like the roses set up yeah. and, um, really, you know, candles lit and, you know, very romantic. Uh, and that's Aberdeen, where, Aberdeen, yeah, Aberdeen. yes, he definitely did a great, um, job of, you know, the second <laughs> even though it wasn't a complete yeah. surprise. The second half of the story totally redeemed it. Cause I was just about to say, that's the worst proposal I've <laughs> ever heard of in my life. You handed her a resume yes. and the resume said, by the way, you're, uh, you're going to be my wife. You're going to agree yeah. to marry me. <laughs> it was bad. I had, I had to really get creative after uh, that. But the second half of the story totally redeemed you. So Thank when did you. you guys get married? How long you been married? We got married in February uh, of 1999. So it'll be 24 years this coming February. All right. And you guys have a big family. Um, tell us a little bit about the children. After you. Yes. Yeah, so uh. we were married, um, what, eight eight months before I, um, you know, got pregnant with my first. And so that's uh, our daughter who is exactly 364 days older, older than Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. So that's what he means wow. by them being Irish yeah. twins. Yeah, they're Irish twins. Um, and so uh, I was actually, I uh, gave birth to Brittany two weeks after I graduated from OBU. Yeah. So we were still in college. Obviously, we just... Yeah. We didn't plan. We didn't things. have much of a plan. We just kind of mm -hmm. jumped in. So, um, but we have seven children total. Yeah. Seven children total. Yes. So 21 all the way down to six. She's actually 22. Yeah. 22 down yeah. to six. Thank you, Emily. I'm 21. Yes. And by the way, for those of you who are driving, you can hear that Caleb is in the studio. We're going to get to Caleb's story in just a second. Before we talk about Caleb, I want to talk about um, Trey for a few minutes. But um, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. We had five children, and um, 
I just can't help but to think uh, you guys had to go through the same thing we did. When you're a young couple with lots of babies, you get lots of crazy comments and weird looks, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. All the time. Do you guys know that I do this little segment in my podcast? I call it the high five. And this segment is me just having fun and uh, okay, you know, do it. Uh, telling stories. So I was just thinking, let's just have some fun with each other. Tell me some of the craziest comments that you heard when you were pushing all of the baby strollers through the store and people are looking at that huge family because it never let up for uh, for, for my oh, wife yeah. Dawn and I too. Um, and I, in fact, I got a list of the stupid comments that people made to us when we were in the store with all of those children. And if my sister and her seven children were with us, now you got, you know, two, yep. two women and 13 children. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know we were, because ours were so close together, the first two, uh, there was actually a point in time where I was uh, pretty visibly showing pregnant with Caleb and I was still, you know, yeah. nursing yeah. Brittany. So um, people were like, what, you know, what is going on here? Huh. I think the comment we heard most often was probably like, hey, you know what causes that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, just people like joking around. Yeah, or they would say things like, uh, how many kids do you have? We'd say seven. They'd say uh, on purpose, you yeah. know? Yeah. I totally uh, heard all of both of those comments too. Yeah. yeah, you know what causes that? You did that on purpose? What are you, crazy? Are you a glutton for punishment? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, how did you guys on. answer, by the way, when they asked you, do you know what causes that? What was your answer to them? Well, my answer is probably not uh, as, as clean as that, but I, I would always say, yeah, and I guess you forgot what causes that. Okay. <laughs> Emily, what about you when you heard that ridiculous comment? I can't really remember. Um, Emily's more spiritual than I am. So yeah. right. no. I had a friend. <laughs> I, I I know this guy who's a pastor has a large family and he heard the same thing that you heard that I heard. Hey, do you know what causes that? And his standard answer was, yeah, a beautiful wife with a pleasant disposition. You won't have to worry about that. <laughs> that um, so, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what we would typically hear, my wife, she looks much younger than she is. We got married okay. early 20s and started having children about three years into the marriage. But she looked like she was 16 when we were uh, been, when we were in our mid to late twenties. Mm. So people would inevitably ask, are all those yours? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, yeah, I just, I just grabbed children in the parking lot and put yeah. them in the stroller with me uh -huh. and started going through the store with them crying and, you know, kind of half falling out of the cart and everything else. Yes, of course they're ours. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. yes. Well, so Jeff, we adopted our last two. Uh, we got them when they were very young. So now I get asked if I'm their grandfather. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because I'm I'm 45 and our youngest is six, you know, but our oldest is 22. So we have a really wide range. It's of, because of this. I yeah, got a little gray. gray that he's got on his chin. But of course, Emily gray. doesn't have any gray. So that makes you look like you're Emily's, uh, you know, parent. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. I just, I stay close to her. This is my daughter. No. Yeah. Did you guys hear, we heard this comment, um, and people would ask this kind of tongue in cheek because we had for a period of time, for about 10 years, you know, we had the big van, like the 12 passenger van. That's what we yep. used as a family because it was just super convenient. And when uh -huh. we pour, when we'd pour out of the van and go to the store, <laughs> people would say, Hey, are you guys Mormon? And I'd be like, well, first of all, no, but secondly, it's none of your business. Just because we have a big van and lots of children doesn't make you Mormon. Or That's somebody right. would ask, are you guys Catholic? 
Yep. Um, I, I've, I've been asked that before for really? sure. Yeah. And then the last comment um, that I heard a little bit was people would inevitably talk about like the global population. Do you guys know what you're doing to the global population? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Right. Like our big family is not straining the global food supply. I don't know why you I don't know why you have a problem. By the way, the people that make comments about us having uh, five children, you guys having seven, usually have five or seven dogs. And so they, <laughs> they're doing the exact same thing. They're just doing it with pets. Exactly. Well, I, as a pastor, people would always say, well, I guess you're going to grow that church one way or another. Yeah. You know, that was another thing you <laughs> yep. hear. Yep. We grow by, you know, breeding them. There you go. Big families are awesome. They have they their are. own challenges, but it's like a party everywhere that we go because when the family shows up, you know, they come pouring out of the van and, and it's, uh, it's like the clowns at the circus when they all come out of the car, you know, they keep, they just keep coming. True. Um, and it's, 100%. It, it's awesome. Um, it's not always perfect though. And big families have lots of challenges and mm. sometimes just being a parent um, brings with it some ups and downs. You guys have had some pretty severe downs. Um, yeah. You've got some amazing ups and we're going to talk about a few of those during this episode, but let's talk about Trey. Um, tell everybody um, when Trey came along, describe your family when Trey came along and then tell everybody what happened with Trey. Me or you, Em? Well, I can start. Yeah, start it out. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so when we had Brittany and, and Caleb really close together, you probably need to know just a little bit of our um, family history. We found out when I was um, expecting Caleb that I was a um, carrier of a gene that um, can can result in immunodeficiency, which uh -huh. is basically the bubble boy. If you've ever seen yeah. that movie, the boy in the plastic bubble. Yes. John Travolta. Yeah. Yeah. You're born without an immune system. Wait and a second, so, you got a gene that your children come out looking like John Travolta? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, man, if only. You think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there it is. Um, but uh, so we um, we did not know about this. It, our family was kind of a research project because I have two brothers that were born with immune deficiency, but they did not know that it was a genetic um, yeah. hereditary yeah. thing. They were the first in our family. They were actually the first unmatched transplants in the United States. Yeah, it's kind of a long backstory wow. on yeah. that. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, when we found out that I was the uh, carrier for that, um, Caleb was fine. It's it's the female that carries the gene uh -huh. and it's only males who can Excellent. inherit yeah. the gene. And so there's a 50% chance with our boys that they would be a carrier of that yeah. gene. Mm -hmm. um, so Caleb was fine. He was healthy. He did not have the gene. Um, when I was pregnant with uh, Clayton, Clayton, we got tested for that. We were in Arkansas at that time, Rogers, Arkansas. Jeremy was a youth pastor and found out he was a carrier. So we had to move our family out to Los Angeles mm -hmm. um, for about seven months while Clayton received a bone marrow transplant. Um, and As we a just baby? Yes, a baby. as wow. a baby. Chemotherapy, the whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. Goodness. And so we had the one and two-year-old um, and then the one in the hospital. And so our, our church was really great about letting us, Jeremy would come back and forth. So yeah. we got through that. Clayton came home, um, had a you know good immune system now. Um, we decided we were not going to have any more children at that point we just because since having to go through that, you know, we were just like, well, you know, maybe there's another 
you know, something else yeah. that God has for us. Um, anyway, um, I ended up getting pregnant with um, Trey, even though we were doing all the, the you know, the things to try to prevent that. Um, so that's a but God thing too. Yeah. Um, and so we thought, well, surely he's not going to carry the gene. Um, but found out he was again a carrier. This time, my daughter Brittany, who's our oldest, um, is a perfect match for Trey, which is really rare. Um, and so we were able to go to Dallas, Texas, and he spent three months in the hospital mm -hmm. there um, and received a bone marrow transplant from for my daughter. She was the perfect match. Okay, so <laughs> it's a, there's a lot to this. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to keep it short. Um, so we brought Trey home from the hospital after three months, and he was great for six years. Um, he ended up starting to develop symptoms of like just some weird things. And we, we went through all these things to try and find out what's wrong with him. Long story short, my daughter cells had started attacking his body six oh, years man. after the transplant, which is so unheard yeah, of. Like rude. they don't even have another case of that happening. Um, so it was just a really, they called it le a leukemia, but it was a really rare form um, mm. of just those cells proliferating in his body. Yeah. So mm. he went into the hospital. He spent about 250 days in the hospital. Um, we try our doctor as a six and seven year old. Yes. Yeah. As a six year old, we, we told them do everything humanly possible. Um, we tried every treatment, uh, is there anything else you want to share about? No, I mean, that? he just, I mean, they called him super Trey yeah. because he fought, you know, he never complained. He uh, just an amazing resilience about him. And, uh, there's a lot there, but, um, the Lord ended up calling him home on September the 1st of 2013. Yeah. And, so uh, for people that are driving right now, I want them to hear exactly what's going on in your family at this point. How many children, what, how many children do you have with Trey? We had he's our fourth. Yeah, he's our fourth. But we had had another daughter as well at that, you know, after he was born. Uh, yeah. So oh. Aubrey came along after yes. afterwards. And so we had when Trey got cancer, we had five children at the time, five biological children. Yeah. And you had about uh, almost a year between the time that you found out about Trey's cancer and the time that he passed from it. That's yes. right. And yep. he was, yeah, he battled for about, he, he was really in the hospital closer to 300 days between 2012 and 2013. Yeah. I have done a number of episodes with parents that have lost a child. I've said in every one of those episodes, I'm going to say it again in this one of all of the tragedies that a human will ever go through. I think this is number one on the list. Like nothing is more painful than losing a child. Agreed. Um, and yeah, especially at the very young age that you lost Trey. Mm. So, um, I mean, we could do an entire episode on Trey alone, right. uh, but I, I, instead of camping there, I do want the listener, especially those that are driving who just missed part of your story. Listen, you have had one pretty scary incident after another with children, yeah. and you're now on your fifth child and just lost one of them because of cancer, right. which right. devastates a family. And Emily and Jeremy, I'm, I'm giving you a statistic that you are certainly already aware of, but a lot of marriages don't survive because of, because of that. How did you guys hold it together as a couple? How did you keep the family together? You know, what's interesting about that is, you know, we were given all kinds of books after Trey passed away. And there was a book that was, that gave us this, I think it's like 75 or 80% of marriages don't survive yeah. after a child passes away. And, you know, Emily and I, what got us through that is we both have um, real genuine relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And 
you know, we like to say that God can be trusted in life and death and everything in between. And when your life falls apart, you got to ask yourself, what's the foundation of our lives? Honestly, we didn't rely on each other because we couldn't, like we both had moments of, you know, of real struggle and, and darkness. Um, but we had to keep like telling each other what is true and focusing on, um, the eternal things and the promises of God. And as a family, I remember us gathering up. We took a trip to Colorado because that's kind of a place of just healing for our family. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, and we were just in the mountains and we just talked about Trey, um, in his life and his legacy and just, um, the impact that he had in his seven years and how we didn't want to waste a single moment that we had left on this earth because we know we're going to be with Trey again. Um, and so we're looking forward to that day. Every day we say to each other, we're one day closer to that, but until then God has us here for a purpose. And and we believe part of that is to point people to him and the Mm -hmm. eternal things, the things that really matter. And so our family just covenant, we made a covenant together, Um, We are going to make this pain is is hard and it's real, but we're going to use that to motivate us um, to endure another day and to um, and to make Trey proud of us while we're still here. And to point Um, people to what really matters the very most in life, which is knowing which is knowing Christ. Right. Well, I'm f- uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And I'm fascinated by your language, especially Emily, when you said we didn't look to each other. And I'm trying. Right. I've never mm. really done this research. I wonder if the reason why so many marriages collapse after the loss of a child is they're looking for their spouse to make things yeah. better on the inside. And what all of us um, in this uh, interview today would say is, yeah, your spouse is awesome, but they're not that awesome. Nobody can make things better on the inside, especially after a tragedy like that. So it's a moment that drives you to your knees. And That's I right. mean, both physically drives you to your knees. You're just overwhelmed by the grief, but also spiritually it drives you to your knees. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where you start reaching into the dark and looking for something to hold on to. And yes. what I've well, it's like, we, we talk about this a lot. You know, we, as a pastor, you're always with people in their hard moments and their good moments. But when Trey died, you have to find out, does everything I've ever taught and preached? Do I really believe all of that? Oh, yeah. And your faith, it's either real or it isn't. So we say at our house at the end of the day, do we really trust God or we don't? And you're right. Like with Emily, man, she's a rock in my life, but I couldn't look to her to meet needs in my life that only God could meet. And the same, same goes for her. So I think that's a, that's a really good word. I had a uh, interview not long ago with coach Ryan from Ohio state university and he lost a son. And when he was driving home after the funeral, he was forced to ask himself, do what do I believe about eternity? And that Mm -hmm. set him on a journey that radically changed his life. But he would say, I had no choice but to wrestle with that because that question was right in front of my face. And what I I, I want the listener to hear from you guys is that you have had like repeated challenges that would just bring people to their, um, you know, to their knees with your children. And now we're in the studio with Caleb. Hey, no exaggeration. Um, When I was driving here to the studio, the road was blocked. There was an ambulance, several police cars, and a fire truck there. And they were pulling somebody out of the rub or pulling somebody out of the wreckage of an ambulance. And it occurred to me, this person's probably driving back from lunch, going back to work. And 
their entire life is in front of them and never in a moment thought that something like this could happen. And this accident, this car accident that they just went through could radically change their life. I pray to God that it didn't end their life, but radically change their life in an instant that nobody saw coming. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only... Uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, incident on the way to the studio isn't a coincidence. So let's talk about Caleb's car crash. And Caleb, you can join in, uh, Jeremy, Emily, whoever. Yeah. Let's talk about Caleb's car crash. Yeah, uh, just fast forward. So, you know, Trey passed away in 2013. Our family was trying to heal all that. We had some really significant losses in 2013. My my nephew is 85 days old. He passed away. Emily's oh mom passed goodness. away from cancer. Two months later, uh, you know, Trey passed away. All that was hard in 2013. Then fast forward four years, Caleb was 16 years old. He was on his way to a University of Oklahoma basketball game with his younger brother, Clayton, who was 14 at the time. Started raining in Oklahoma. First time it had rained yeah, in about It rains hard in month. Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Caleb was coming off of an on-ramp, a young driver, and he lost control in a semi-truck. 75,000 pounds T-boned him uh, directly oh. on his side of the vehicle. And uh, Caleb should have died. He suffered a severe traumatic brain injury. The actual injury is called a diffuse axonal brain injury, grade three, which is the worst kind. Less than 10% survive. The, and, uh, for the people yeah. that don't understand that medical term, just as, as, as basic as you can, explain medically what happened to his brain in that, that car crash. Yeah, the best explanation is it's kind of like the shaken baby syndrome. Uh, Caleb's brain was shaken like inside. Scram- scrambled yeah, up. scrambled up. And his, all the neurons were severed. And that there's so much brain swelling that they try to support you. They try to drain the fluid off the brain. But the doctors would tell you there's only so much yeah. they can do. Yeah. They, they try to support and help you. But uh, if, if God doesn't step in or something like that, then, of course, most pass away. And his injury was the whole brain. So, like, his brain stem yes. which is, is really significant. That was also affected. The control center of the brain uh, got uh, affected as well. Yeah. And so that night, he, you know, suffers the brain injury. We Our life, in a matter of seconds, is changed once again. Mm-hmm. We end up in the ER, and we get the worst news possible that they said the next 48 hours are critical and they said, we want to be clear. Your son probably will not survive. If he does survive, I'll never forget this. He'll never walk, talk, eat again. He'll never know you. You'll never hear him call you, call you dad. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was just a, it was about as, it was as, as grim of a, a prognosis as you could get. Wait a second. When you walk into the hospital to meet with the doctors, they're saying, Hey, your son's probably not going to make it. And if he does make it, they point, they paint a picture where he's not going to walk. He's not going to talk. He's not going to eat. Like there, yep. there will be zero uh, chance of you having any meaningful, you know, him having the, the once having uh, the life that he once had before this car crash. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I, I'm always quick to say the doctors were trying to help us sure. prepare for yeah. reality. Yeah. Prepare for they, the they worst, weren't being right? cruel. They were great. Yeah. They were amazing. Yeah. The initial doctor who was putting the drain in his head, he was more like, you know, you have different doctors with different, you know, demeanors and he was just more, more direct. Yes. Direct about that. But then we had other doctors who were more hopeful so you did have you know different things you were hearing they would say things like oh caleb's young so you know maybe there's a give you hope but but you knew you we knew deep down inside the odds were stacked very heavily against against caleb caleb uh, i'm sorry to interrupt uh caleb can you talk for just a second what happened to your brother in this in the car crash um yeah it was it was really crazy 
like the fact that like a seventy-five-thousand-pound summer truck hit us directly on our side of the vehicle, and neither one of us had a broken bone. Right. No broken bones. No broken bones. Wow. It's crazy. Oh, uh, that kind of amazes me when I think about it. Because I think about like a car door, which isn't like that thick, but then I think like seventy-five thousand pounds when with only that car door in between me and that semi. Yep. And like the fact that I didn't have a broken bone mm-hmm. shows me. I definitely had someone hire yeah. looking over me. Yeah. What about Clayton though? What he what happened to him? Um um Clayton, Clayton only had a concussion. That's right. Was that's a miracle in itself, I feel like. That's right. You guys got hit by a uh at T boned by a fully loaded uh diesel truck and he just got a concussion and neither one of you had any broken bones. That in and of itself is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. We, we met the we met the em one year later we met the ems ems worker that worked the accident scene he said he'd been doing it 25 plus years he's never they, they called in the fatality team that night on the accident scene because their anticipation was for caleb to not even yeah. make it to the hospital yeah. yeah and caleb by the way thank you for telling us because i wanted the listeners to hear the doctors tell your mom and dad he's not going to walk he's not going to talk he's not going to eat again and obviously the listeners can hear your voice that you're able to talk that you're able to put coherent sentences together um right. and that you defied a whole lot of odds um Emily, let's talk for just a second about the challenges that went along with Caleb's treatment because this is a long road to recovery. It doesn't happen fast. So how did how did the the family have to adjust to this? Um, yes. So it was definitely, I mean, we've said this phrase before in our lives, um, but it was so true for us during this period of time. It was a one day at a time, um, sometimes one moment at a time, but we really just had to trust the Lord for each day and each moment. We could not think too far ahead or look back much. We just had to be right there in the moment and just knowing that God would give us the strength for the day, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and that he would have the final say ultimately, because it's such a, there's so much I could, I could say, but at the same time that these doctors are giving us these really daunting odds and, and you definitely don't want to Google anything at this point because it's just going to point you page after page of bad news, right? Yes. Yes. And so you're getting like inundated with all of this bad and just hopelessness, but then at the very same time, and you know, God was just so gracious in this, but, um, you know, when we were driving from the accident scene to the ER and we were becoming very aware of how, how very serious this was, um, we were, you know, crying out. I was in a place of real, like just darkness. I was in a place of, of really saying, God, if, if this is going to happen, if, if we're going to lose another child, I need you to just go ahead and take me out too, because I, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really don't, don't think I can walk through it again. And so it was just God's, you know, he just met us right there where we were. And he sent, even as we arrived at the ER and we were just standing in that waiting room, just kind of unsure of what to do, just in shock. And, um, there was a lady there who was just there for some other 
um, probably emergency situation um, with her family, but she came over to us, put her hands on us and just started praying for us. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment of God just saying, I'm here. And he gave us peace. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was a stranger. She had no idea of our circumstances, but she just said a prayer that was you know, just write what we needed to hear, what we needed to be reminded of. And so that kind of took my focus off the circumstances um, and put it on the one who controls yeah, all yeah. things. And, um, mm. and that was a, a big change for me. And that was, that peace continued. And so from that lady, God continued to send others. Like he sent a lady to us who had stopped at the accident scene, who had been the first one to really look at Caleb and say, I think he, you know, he might survive, um, you know, was helping to see if he had a airway and yeah. try to get the semi backed up um, mm-hmm. off of him. And just like wow. she spoke into our lives, she looked into our eyes, she was covered in Caleb's blood. She said, Are you, if you're Caleb's parents, I want to tell you that I, I was there with your son. Um, I prayed over him from head to toe. And, you know, God has, has told me he's going to, he's going to be okay. He's going to heal him. And um, so we she were, didn't even know us. Yeah, yeah. She didn't even know us. So God was doing things like that while we were, so we were getting both of these, you know, messages, but we were also feeling a great deal of peace in our hearts, um, which was unexplainable, mm-hmm. um, except that it was God that was, you know, giving us yeah. that as we went along. And so, um, that's how we, <laughs> I mean, that's how we managed to keep going. We had these, these promises and these assurances inside of us that we were clinging to, yeah. um, that were helping us get through each moment as we trusted. And yes. Jeremy, how about you? What was your first thoughts? Because Emily, you just described beautifully, you get the news that there's a problem, there's been an accident, and every parent's mind goes to the worst case scenario. But in your case, there's been so many worst cases before Mm -hmm. this, that there's a very real, okay, here we go again. And I don't have what it takes to make it through this again, um, after the health crisis and the loss that your family's already gone through. So Jeremy, what's going through your mind when you guys get the phone call, there was an accident, and it's really bad. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, and this is a part of our story. It's for a longer conversation, but I, you know, when, when, when we were discovering that Caleb, I mean, I walked into the house, my phone rang, it said, Caleb Freeman, I answered it. Some man on the line. And I'm like, why does he have my son's phone? Mm-hmm. And he's like, do you have two sons? How quickly can you get here? They've been in an accident. So, you know, you, you just start panicking real quick. And, um, I just began to feel in my heart that there's no way this can be, it was almost like a disbelief. There's no way this can be happening again. Yeah. And, um, and I'll just be just real candid with you. I mean, I had gotten to a place in my life where I thought, man, we'd experienced so much loss and so much death that I thought this is just the way it is. I mean, God, God always heals yeah. the believer in heaven, but he just doesn't heal on earth anymore. And I kind of had a defeatist attitude, like, man, I got this is just how it's going to be. So I was kind of gearing up and gearing my mind for the loss of another son. Cause that's what we'd become. Oh, yeah, accustomed you're, to. you're preparing yourself for the you're worst. Here we go. For the worst. Yeah. yeah. But really, truly, but God, we say God stepped in and and we know enough to know this. We prayed, we prayed just as hard for Trey as we did for Caleb. Yeah. And we know that God doesn't always answer the prayers the way that you want. Um, so we, we knew enough to know that just because the lady said that she, you know, God told her he was going to be well, that may not be happen, be what happened, but but truly God stepped in in a very unique way in our lives. And he let us know pretty early on that he was going to do something different with Caleb's life. Within the first 24 hours, God had given us an unusual peace that we cannot describe. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And we'd already, you know, we already know loss and all that stuff. 
And the Lord just began to take me through a process of healing my own heart and reminding me that he doesn't always heal on earth, but sometimes he does. And we have to let God have the final say. That's what, but God is, but God is, we believe God has the final say in in all things. Yeah. For those of you who are listening to this on Spotify or iHeartRadio right now, you can't see that all three of them are in the room wearing t-shirts that say hashtag, but God, and it's the t-shirt signifies you and I don't get a chance The even the medical doctors and all of the modern science doesn't get a chance to make the final word. God alone gets the final word in every circumstance. Yep. But Jeremy, I, I I need you to go back and to say this again, because you just said something very strong that every one of us need to hear. You had a son and you prayed and begged God to spare his life. And he didn't. And then you had a son who was in a injury, in an accident that should have killed him. And you prayed and you begged God to share or to spare his life. And he did. And does it mean that God was mad at you when you lost Trey or that God is happy with you when he spared Caleb? I I want people to learn a little bit from you about prayer right now, because there are lots of people that are pouring their heart out right now, asking God for something, and they're not going to get what they're asking for. Can you teach them a little bit for a moment? Man, I'd say I'll try not to get real preachy uh, as a pastor. Please don't, but but just be real with them. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just be 100% real, man. So... You know, what what has meant the most to me is that passage in John chapter 11. There's a great story in the Bible where one of Jesus's really good friends is ill. And Jesus makes a statement. He said, this illness doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God, Mm -hmm. that the Son of God may be glorified. And what I've had to get to a place in my life, and this is a hard place to get, even as a, a pastor, is to say, God, I want you to do what will bring you the most glory. And Caleb will tell you right now as well, it's... Caleb was super close to his brother, Trey. He spent all that time in the hospital yeah, when Trey yeah. was there. And Caleb got to see his brother fight for his life. And we've gotten to see God just work. God was doing something that while we don't understand, we don't even have to always like what God does, but we have to get to a place where Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Mm. And that's the hardest place to get where you can say, God, we just want we want you to do what 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 is best and what is right, even though we don't always agree yeah. with that. I have to trust that God did what was best and right for my son, Trey. And I have to trust that God is doing what is best and right for our son, Caleb, and what is best and right for Emily and I. He is God. And there are three things I never question about God. I always say that life, God is good. God is in control. And God never makes any mistakes. I, 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 I believe that with all of my heart, life is not often good, but God is always good Mm -hmm. and he can be trusted in all things. And and I tell you, that's that. So when it comes to prayer, you have to get to that place where you say, God, we want your will to be done. And I'm telling you what, that's been a journey for me. God had to heal my heart. I didn't even know how damaged I was until Caleb had his accident. And God's began to heal me in ways that yeah. I needed uh, as a result of all we've been through. I was just thinking, you know, it's easy for somebody to say, God, I want your will to be done in this very small, very simple thing. Um, Right. But when you're saying my son is laying in a hospital room and every medical professional is saying he's not going to make it. And if he does, he has zero quality of life. It's really hard to say that exact same prayer over those circumstances. This is where your faith really gets tested and where Mm -hmm. stuff starts to become real. And by real, I mean, whether or not you were really holding on to something solid or what you were holding on to was very temporary and it just dissolved right in front of you. 
Caleb, what's our statement we say about faith? The faith what? A uh, faith that can be tested, can be trusted. That's right. A yeah. faith that can't be tested, can't be trusted. And it's true that God tests our faith to grow our faith. And we like to say that our trials kind of reveal if we have faith and they refine the faith that we do have. Yeah. And, and I I feel like God had a unique way of getting me to end myself what I needed because I was putting too much hope and confidence in myself thinking I could just do it all. Yeah. But when God got me to a place of hitting rock bottom, I looked around. I didn't have anything. That's where Jesus Christ met me. And this culture was trying to keep me low, keep me down, despondent from my life. But Jesus had more better plans and wanted to take me as high as he could take yeah. me. <laughs> that is a powerful statement for those of you who are, who are trying to put together what Caleb just said. He was strong and young and healthy and had the world in front of him, which means right. he was at the stage of life where he really thought, I I got this all under control. I can handle yep. everything. I can do whatever life throws at me, and I can face that challenge until you get hit with 75,000 pounds of semi-truck, <laughs> and that's the moment where God brings you to the end of yourself and what Caleb's really powerful statement was, and when you're at the end of yourself, now you've got no choice but to start to reach out to something that's real, something that's powerful enough that can get you through it. Um, and Jeff, I mean, just so you know, I mean, Caleb was in a coma for, for two months. I mean, we're talking eight weeks. He didn't nod his head. He didn't blink his eyes. He didn't yeah. squeeze it, nothing. And then one day God just woke him up and he's been on the long road of recovery uh, ever since. I mean, like, like you, you probably have seen, or maybe you haven't, but I mean, his senior year of high school, he got to run a, he, he was the fastest cross country runner in his high school as a junior and as a sophomore, sorry, as a sophomore. And we wanted him to run one more race again. In his senior year, he got to run a 5K, yeah. which was a total miracle of God. I mean, unbelievable. I hope that if you're driving and listening to this, you're picturing this in your mind. Every doctor is saying he's not going to make it. If he makes it, he's not going to walk. He's not going to talk. He, he won't be able to eat again. You're going to be spoon feeding him for the rest of his life. Yes, and exactly. two years later, less than two years later, he's running his last cross country meet in high school and defying all odds. Caleb, talk about what it was like standing at the start line of that last cross country meet. Um, when everybody in high school knew the challenges that you had to overcome just to start, uh, just to get to that starting line. Yeah, it was kind of, it was overwhelming for me. I never thought I'd be running a race again, but I just knew that I had to push past myself telling me to quit because I knew if I could somehow cross that line like at the end hope would be given out yeah. and i feel like that's what jesus has loved me on this earth to do i felt like he has preserved me to encourage others i saw some of his encouragement getting to be given out from that race Caleb, you are the perfect guest for this podcast because of what you just said. All of that hard work, all of those uh, challenges that you had to overcome because of that car accident, and you wanted to give up along the way, but you hung in there, 
and you persevered, and that brought you to that start line. And imagine the people around you that maybe even never said a word to you that are going through something minor, and then they saw you standing next to them at the starting line and thought, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. That's why this podcast exists. That's it. That is it, 100%. I want to wrap this thing up with something that Emily said just a few moments ago, and I wrote it down because it is so strong. There are people right now that are facing some massive challenge. Maybe it's not the loss of a child. Maybe it's not a life-altering car accident. Maybe it's uh, something very different. But they're sitting there and they're thinking to themselves, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to find the strength to get through it. And Emily, you gave a recipe that incidentally has showed up again and again on these episodes from Unbeatable you said you don't try to tackle the whole problem. In fact, in your words, what you said is you handle it one day at a time, and sometimes you only handle it one minute at a time. Can you, can you go into a little bit more detail? But would you, Emily, do you mind just talk specifically to that person that is struggling right now? And they're saying, I don't have what it takes to make it through this. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And they need to hear some advice from a mom who has gone through some amazing, intense problems and challenges. Um, yes. So I would say if you're in that place of saying that, um, I don't have what it takes, you're exactly where (laughs) that's in a really good place to be. Um, because like Caleb said, it is when you kind of come to the end of yourself. Um, I think we all have this illusion in life that we have some measure of control. Um, and we really don't, it's like you said, you don't like, we don't know what's going to happen to us when we walk out of this room. Um, and so we don't have control, but there is one who does have Mm. control and he's actually the one who made us who made you, um, who knows you better than you know yourself even. And when you feel like you can't go on, that's good because he's there to go on Mm -hmm. for you if you put your trust in him. And, um, and so for us, that is, it it is a moment by moment and, and it's a surrender really. Um, it's a surrender of, of myself and, and my own, even my own idea or, or dreams or, what I think I'm here for, because God has a plan that's better. Um, He created us. So he knows us. He has a purpose for us. We can really only find that in him. And I think we look for that in a lot of other places. And, um, and we also let our circumstances kind of drive us or our emotions or our feelings. And, Mm -hmm. and so he is the only constant, um, you know, perfect one, um, who can be fully trusted um, in all things. And it's like Paul said in Philippians, um, to live is Christ to die is gain. Um, this world Mm -hmm. is not our home. It's Mm -hmm. temporary. Um, and so when we focus on the temporary, Mm -hmm. we're going to, it's going to be hard and we're going to feel depressed sometimes and hopeless sometimes. But when we focus on what is eternal and what is true and on that relationship with the one who made us, um, if you can turn to him, um, if you can trust him one moment at a time, um, he will carry you through. Um, When you feel like you can't, he can. And it really is. It's just a moment by moment surrender. Um, he, He is better. Like I think about Trey and the day that he, Um, he took his last breath on this Uh earth and, 
um, he honestly asked this question. He was with us mentally till the very end. He he was still there. And mm -hmm. so our family was gathered around him um, and he leaned up and this machine was pretty much breathing uh -huh. for him at this point. But he said, um, he looked at us and he said, am I going to die? Um, and in that moment, you're as a parent, you're like, you know, how do I answer this right. question? But, but God gave me the words to speak to Trey. And I looked at him in the eye without wavering. And I said, no, Trey, you are not about to die. You are about to really live. Um, and that is true because the moment he stepped out of this, this, this world and into eternity, that's when his real life began. And it was actually his best day. Our hardest day was his best day because mm. he got to stand face to face to the one who created him and be mm. with Jesus forever. And that's the hope of, you know, the good news yeah. of the gospel. And and so um, I may be going <laughs> um, further than you wanted me to, but I can't help but share that because of of what that means in my life and and how God has shown himself to be so faithful to us. Um, and I want all people to know that kind of hope. Yeah. No, you, you absolutely have earned the right in this episode. You have demonstrated a family that's walked through incredible tragedy after tragedy, and you've been able to keep it together. And what I wanted somebody who's struggling right now, as you just said, Emily, they're at the end of themselves. And now is the perfect moment to start to reach out to find something that's real and something that can sustain them, not just through this tragedy, but for eternity. Right. Um, Jeremy, I think I'm just going to punt it to you and let you wrap things up. So are you saying, and I know you're not, but I just need to clarify this. If I reach out to God and I'm in the middle of this crisis right now, he's going to make everything turn out the way that I want him to. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Uh, you know, that he'll, he'll make it turn out the way that is, we, we like to say for our good, uh, but also for his glory. And, you know, so for the person that's listening out there, we're just a bunch of imperfect people, uh, the Freemans, mm -hmm. and and God's allowed a lot of things into our life, both good things and, mm -hmm. and and hard things. But in all things, we've learned that He's worth it. He's He's worth trusting. He's He's the one that has carried us, sustained us, and strengthened us. And and if you will trust Him, the the road might be hard, but it is always best. I mean, you think about that. It's for the Christian, this life is as hard as it will ever get. It only gets better from here. Mm. And I praise God for that because this world is not our, our home. Our life verse is 2 Corinthians 4.18 that says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, and the things that are unseen are eternal. And our hope is grounded in the very one who made us, created us, sent us on Jesus Christ mm. to die in our place and be raised from the dead, that we may have victory over sin and death. And so, you know, and that same passage, Jeff, in John 11, Jesus wept. And it's always been amazing to me. John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. Why would he weep? He was about to do this incredible, incredible miracle. But God doesn't take any pleasure in our pain. That's what God's yeah. taught me. He doesn't take any pleasure in my pain, but he came to do something about my pain. Mm. Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose again so that my pain doesn't have to have the final say. Jesus has the final, final say on our pain when we trust in him. So that's where our hope is. Yeah. It's grounded in the one who makes all things right. And yeah. real quick, Jeff, can I can I sure. just speak to one thing? Yeah, say it, baby. Um, um, something that's really meant a lot to me in my right journey was one day at a time, because honestly, like this whole right journey 
it's been a long time, but it hasn't felt like that long because we've just been taking it one day at a time. And Jesus has showed me personally that I don't have to gain all the progress in just seconds. If I just gain a little bit every single day, that adds up. And at some point, I will have accomplished the thing that I felt like I needed to accomplish in seconds. But Jesus strung it out so much where it doesn't feel like that much. Yeah. If you're driving right now or watching this episode online and you're going through challenges, I hope what's going through the back of your mind right now is if the Freemans can handle what they've been through, I can handle what I'm going through and I'm going to do it exactly like Caleb just described it. I'm going to handle it one day at a time by reaching out and taking the hand of somebody who has got all the power in the universe who can get me through it. And obviously I'm referring to God, your heavenly father right now. That's right. Hey, your family is amazing. I am so proud of the way that you're using these challenges and tragedies to try to help other people get through what they're going through. You guys, thanks for being part of the Unbeatable podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hey, there you've had it. It has been said over and over again on episodes of Unbeatable. When you're at your limit, when the problem is so big that you don't have what it takes to face it, don't look at the whole challenge. Don't even focus on the whole day. Just get the strength to make it through the next five minutes and then get up tomorrow and face the next five minutes and then get up the next day and face the next five minutes and reach out and find something real and powerful enough to get you through life's greatest challenges. I have been blown away by the Freeman family and all that they've gone through. And by the way, they didn't get a chance to say in this episode, so many people have been touched by their story that they've got a book. It's getting ready to come out in October. Be on the lookout for a book titled Hashtag But God. This book drops in October and you will hear their version of the story in the book. If you're connecting with us for the first time and you like what you heard, why don't you go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? And by the way, if you've been listening for a while, would you let everybody else know what you think about this podcast? Just simply rate us, or you can follow us on your favorite social media platforms. Our podcast is blowing up right now. We blew past 50,000 downloads, and I just want to say thank you. We've got a huge group of people that stay connected to one another during the week. They're called the Unbeatable Army, and if you want to be part of the Unbeatable Army, all you've got to do is simply go to unbeatablearmy.com. Thanks for joining me for this episode with the Freeman family. I'll see you right back here next week.